And welcome to the Beers of Capital Tech and Transition Energy podcast. It's uh, the start of the summer. It's the 1st of June, Thursday, the 1st of June. It's obviously been a short week because we had the bank holiday weekend. Uh, and uh, But here we are again. Phil, how are we doing? Very good. Thank you, Andrew. After a very enjoyable and sunny weekend. Uh, it was. And uh, now I'm going to start off actually with my sort of intro, which I often do. Uh, a little bit of a ramper, ram, rantaroonie, rantaroonie or rantaroonie, rant. Anyway, I, I've been watching how these bloody market makers behave in this market at the moment, which is completely broken. Uh, and the fact that basically they're not risking any capital at all. They're just sitting there using the RSPs to link buyers and sellers and taking out a bloody great fat turn themselves. Well, I find that a bit annoying, particularly when they just keep marking prices down on virtually no volume whatsoever. And one of our corporate clients, I decided uh, this week to uh, take it upon myself personally to change things. Uh, and so after Wednesday's first quarter trading statement from Superseed, which we've talked about quite a lot on this uh, podcast, which is performing exceptionally well, and it's, it's focused on AI and SaaS, two of the things you really want to be involved in at the moment. NAV going up. NAV, I think it was now 108p, but you'll correct me if I've got that wrong. Doesn't really matter. The stock had fallen down to sort of 48p or something in the market where you launched at a pound. Absolutely ludicrous. Uh, the spread was massive. I think it was something like 45, 60 or something stupid. So uh, I thought let's step into the market. So yesterday I bought 10,000 shares at 50p. I told the dealer that I used to keep just going around the market, trying to find some more stock. I didn't mind, build it up from 10, go in and buy another 50, another 100,000. Didn't really matter how many bought, I was there. Couldn't get another single share. So they've marked it all the way down from a pound to 50p, but there's no stock there. Anyway, this morning they tried opening it up and they opened it up at 55.60, but still no stock there. So I told my dealer, I said, tell you what, go back to the bloody market makers and tell them, they were making it 55, 60 in 1,000 shares. Tell them I'll make it 56, 59 in 10,000 shares. I don't mind which I do. I'm just trying to create a market. So the dealer found that rather amusing and went back and told the market makers, well, our client actually will make a better market than you will. I've since then stimulated a bit of interest, actually. The stock then went 58, 60. They closed the spread completely. People are actually trading it. And it was at one stage up 35%. It's now up 15% just because of they, they marked the percentage by the last trade. The last trade was at 60p. But other than the fact that Superseed is clearly priced wrong, and by the way, I will be doing this for other Aquis stocks that I see completely priced wrong. There is one in particular that I like, Samacan. There is a reason why I can't currently deal. Uh, we have quite strict rules at VSM when we can and when we can't. But I will be getting onto that one as well because that's the wrong price. And I will be buying that in the market and making a better spread than the market makers do. Um, and I will go through all the Acris stocks like this. But the real point of it all is, is that, you know, why have we got market makers anymore, Phil? There's no need. In this electronic world, you know, it should all just be done electronically because these guys aren't committing any capital. They're just linking RSP feeds. So let's bin all market makers, do everything electronic. Let's have all the settlement done, uh, not in Crest, but in blockchain. So it all happens in real time. And costs should be reduced dramatically. And actually what should happen here is exactly what happened with secondary research and MIFID 2, which reduced the costs of dealing dramatically. This would reduce the spread dramatically. The spread would go to zero. Why aren't we doing it? 
Well, that's a rhetorical I, question. I need an answer. No, I don't need an answer, really. I would do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it does sound like it would be a lot better for investors. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Super C Capital is a, is a, obviously, it's a client of ours, but you are right. I mean, I recently wrote on that. I mean, it's a very good seed, seed fund for AI and SaaS. And in my view, it's fundamentally undervalued. Anyway, there we go. Well, you yeah. know what, Phil? I'll just see how I feel the next few days. I may step in again and, and, and buy even at higher prices because, you know, I think buying at that sort of a discount to NAB and they have the British Business Bank that give them this sort of waterfall leverage. So yes. actually you, you leverage up your returns. I mean, frankly, it's a great buy. But I mean, there's so many good buys in this market because the market oh, is completely mispriced at the moment. Now, talking of um, corporate clients, by the way, and research, uh, which you just mentioned, you actually put out a research note this morning. Always nice to see you do that, Phil. I know Thank you've you. been doing a bit of work. Um, uh, but also, they also announced a nice little sort of a two uh, megawatt hour order this morning. But Infinity Energy Systems um, sort of news. Why don't you talk through that? Yeah, again, yeah, well, tickers are yes. It, they um, they develop and manufacture flow batteries. Uh, this is for the this is for the grid for grid storage. And they are, you know, as Andrew points out, they are a client of ours. Um, but they won a is a, a 2.1 megawatt hour sale in the US. Um, and this is to a small sort of utility in San Juan County, US. Um, but the but what caught my eye with this is, you know, one that 2.1 megawatt hours goes certainly goes towards our forecasts uh for 2024 when it'll be delivered but um also the fact it caught my eye because it's a working with a solar project battery plus solar um together on the grid is is challenging to engineer it's not easy to engineer and there are you know the more and more projects like this now gradually starting to come about and they're going to be so important in the future so it was quite a it was quite a nice win for them, and it you know it comes on the back of a an April um, announcement when they won you know eleven million pounds order as part of the longer duration energy storage demonstration project in the UK. Um, so nice to see a bit of bit of momentum for the business there, and as I say, in support of the forecast that we've got for the business. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the big issue obviously at the moment for Invinity is is not actually how the business is performing. The business is going fantastically well. Um, but actually, we need to find new buyers of it because it's got an amazing shareholder list and it's the marginal buyer, of course, that, that moves share prices. Um, but we will be doing some very, we'll have figures coming out of them towards the end of June. We'll have their AGM, I think it's the 13th of July. Uh, and we do anticipate we're putting in place actually a big sort of marketing program for the back end of the summer to really try and get this stock moving. Uh, whilst on that, we often compare uh, Invinity with things like ITM and Ceres. We did have an ITM trading statement today, didn't we? Which I mean, you, you've got a you've got a laugh, really. You think how well Invinity is doing? ITM, their trading revenue was ahead of guidance at two million pounds. Woo! Big stuff. Uh, an EBITDA loss of ninety to ninety-five million pounds is what they're forecasting. I mean, it's just as well they've got another two hundred and fifty million pounds to flush down the toilet, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's electrolyzer technology. You get for the grid and be used to, you know, produce hydrogen. But unfortunately, a lot of the transitional energy technology very much is is hardware. It's complicated engineering. It takes, as we discussed on many occasions, Andrew, it takes a lot of time to do and an awful lot of capital required to be invested. But if you can achieve scale with it, 
you know, then you can turn into a fantastic business, but just takes deep pockets. Yeah, I was a little bit tongue in cheek there, by the way, when I talked about what may happen to the cash. So please don't take me out of context. But I mean, it is the, that's the big difference. I mean, they have an awful lot of cash. Um, Invinity have less. We we have funded them quite a lot. Um, but again, strip out the cash from ICM, you, you, you're left with a market cap of just under 200 million and they're doing 2 million of sales. I don't know what, for, I've forgotten what forecast you got for Infinity, but it's significantly more than that. Uh, and yet they're on a less than a, you know, their market cap is more like sort of 70 million pounds or something. I mean, it's just the comparison is wrong. Uh, so, I mean, if there's a, if there's a hedge you want to do, sell ICM by IES. Anyway, moving on. Also, the other one is Ceres Power, which obviously is, is another uh, fuel cell company, whatever you want to see. Now, they've got the right corporate structure, which is where they've done really well. They've obviously got uh, Wan Chai and Bosch as their shelves. Mm. They're coming off AIM and going up to the premium listing. Um, ah, look, I mean, AIM as a market is completely broken. It's pretty pointless nowadays. Um, so I don't blame them for doing that. Does it change the value of the business? No, not really. Save them some costs. You don't have the stupid nomad anymore. Oh, I'm punchy this morning, aren't I? What, what can I possibly say in response to that? <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm moving on as they say, Andrew. Something else that's caught your eye this week before I get on to a few things. Come on then, move on. <laughs> All right, I'll move on. Right, sticking with the subject of electrification um, and, and the EVs and transport, which we talk about a lot, uh, there was some data out from Market Research House IDC on the global EV market last year, and they're saying that it reached 11 million units and a penetration rate of 14%, which actually in the auto markets is, is considerable. But China was responsible for 7 million of those 11 million units, and that was a 30% penetration rate there. Top three players worldwide, BYD, Tesla, and SAIC, uh, with 30% of the market. So we can see the way that the market's, uh, the market's heading. And just to put that into context, um, global car sales in 22 grew from, uh, grew to around 67.2 million uh, vehicles, up from 66.7 million. So, but it, it that gives a feel for the shape of how this EV market is, you know, is emerging. And I also read this week that, like, was it the Tesla Y model is now the most popular car model in the world? Has become. Well, and Elon incredible. Musk has been in China, isn't he? Because, yes. You know, the Chinese are just leading this whole EV game so dramatically. I mean, people just have not clocked onto this. You know, I, I think going forward by about 2030, there will probably only be 10 or so realistically major ev manufacturers in the world and the world will be dominated by ev vehicles um i would say at least five of those 10 will be chinese if not more we will all be driving chinese cars these cars now are just as good as western cars because they're so much simpler and the chinese can make them at a fraction of the price the byd seagull lovely car beautiful ev you can go and buy one for about eight thousand pounds you know, put it into perspective, you know, a decent EV from, I don't know, a Mercedes-Benz, a BMW, or whatever, it's, you, you're talking 10 times that. People won't, you don't need to pay that. You will be able to get luxury EVs fairly soon for about 20, 25,000 pounds. It will destroy 
the Western car market, which is just based off, you know, the internal combustion engine. Yes, the Germans were, were brilliant at the internal combustion engine, engine, and that's what drove Germany, particularly selling their cars into China. That's gone. It's all changing. Uh, and they're way ahead. And I'll tell you what, whilst I'm at it, and I'll have another, another bit of a rant. I don't know if you noticed, but I did. But the first uh, commercial flight where passengers literally paid, and it's now a daily flight between uh, Beijing and Shanghai, was done in China, obviously, between Beijing and Shanghai, on the Comac C919. Now, I don't know if you've looked at this aircraft, Phil. It's actually a fantastic aircraft. It's It actually looks as though it's better than a Boeing 737 or an Airbus A320, in as much as it would appear that the operating costs are about the same but they've got about 30 more seats which makes a massive difference for an airline now my view is that comac have cracked it i think that the chinese who have been the biggest buyer by miles of aircraft from airbus and boeing will stop buying their aircraft and will now just buy comac chinese aircraft and you're going to see an enormous an enormous switch um, from western aircraft manufacturers to this Chinese one. Now, it does still use Western engines and quite a few Western parts, um, but the impact it will have on the aerospace industry and therefore the tech and transitional energy for industry to a certain extent, I think will be massive and people just aren't looking at it. I think you're right. No, I, you are you are right. No, I've been looked at Comac before uh, and what they've been developing. I and mean, there's such a shift going on here. It just feels like you know, when you saw the Japanese car makers in the 80s coming in, that kind of fundamental shift. And it, and it, and then, and then, you know, if you're trying to get into the markets, it's taking, it's taking really deep pockets. I mean, I just saw there was an announcement out that uh, that Lucid, the EV maker in the states, has raised three billion dollars from the uh, the Saudi public wealth fund um, on a on a public offering and uh, the public. The PIF, Saudi PIF, they own about 60% of Lucid, but it it shows that you know the cost of entry as well. They're trying to keep up. There's yeah, there's quite a fundamental movement going on. As you say, it affects the whole supply chain and what happens. Yeah. Does. I'll, I'll tell you what, that Comac C919 has the most beautiful cockpit. I, I would love to go and fly one. Um I have flown a 757 actually before to Mallorca and back. But probably shouldn't tell anyone that because I'm not sure it was it was still allowed in those days, but wouldn't be allowed anymore. Anyway, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Go through some results, Bill. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you'd done that before. Right. <laughs> let's let's get back on to get on to quickly onto IT. There hasn't been, frankly, a lot of news in terms of results this week. Um, but a couple of eye-catching ones. Uh, Salesforce uh, in the States. Um they are one of the biggest uh, global suppliers of CR, you know, customer relationship management software used by businesses across the globe. Uh, they reported an 11% rise in quarterly revenue, which according to Reuters, this was their slowest growth in 13 years uh, as companies uh, dial back, as they quote it, cloud, uh, cloud-based software offerings. Um, you know, we've seen sort of the, the wider picture on cloud spend. We've got to remember it's gone through such a boom in the last kind of kind of five years and especially during COVID as well um, and so you know there's, there's there's been a bit of slowing there I mean nonetheless they are still investing very heavily in their capex putting up by 36 percent which shows their you know belief in the future but um, 
but that was quite an interesting result to see. But then, you know, if we go on to the UK, what we've been seeing, we, we talked about Bytes technology, Andrew, we talked about Computer Centre recently, you know, have good sets of results with, you know, plenty of spend still occurring. Um, Softcat, which is one of our bigger IT services um, companies, I mean, they work with private public companies as well. Um, and this is all about, you know, it's IT solutions, virtual desktops, supply chain, software licensing, security, all those IT things that you need. Um, and they, so Socket's SCTS's ticket, 2.7 billion market cap. They had a trading update um, to 30th of April, and it was brief. They said they performed well during the period, delivering four-year, year-on-year growth, grossly, um, gross profit and operating profit, uh, pleased with their progress. So it's a positive trading update. Um, I'm going to remember Softcap reported interims uh, back in March, the six months to January, uh, where they had seen their uh, the overall sales were down. I think they lost a large contract, but their gross profits were up. The profitability was up um, quite strongly. So it was, you know, so we're still seen to be the larger UK players in sort of IT services doing uh, fairly well on the back of uh, the back of corporate spend. Yeah, I mean, actually, the, the big sort of story i suppose it was over the the bank holiday weekend started this week was uh actually it was a combination of two things one was nvidia that obviously has gone through the roof yeah everyone's talking yeah. about but then it also sort of moved on to ai to a large extent and the godfathers the three godfathers of ai saying oh my god is AI out of control and do we need to regulate it and that sort of thing i mean just on nvidia and, and the whole of ai i mean we started off this podcast talking about superseed superseed is focused on ai why the hell aren't people buying it? Well, I am. Um, but also, um, you know, I've often said on this podcast, the way to get exposure to AI is through the Sanlam AI fund. And actually, if you go onto their fact sheet, you'll see they own about 5% in NVIDIA. So I think it's fair to say they've had some pretty good performance just recently um, because they've got nice exposure there. Um, so that is the safe way of playing AI through these collectives that are focused on it. But there's no question out that, you know, AI is not, going away it's going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger um in the same way that the internet never went away and just got bigger and bigger and bigger it is quite scary what's going to go and happen in the future but it was quite scary back in the late 90s thinking about what the internet would do but you know we adapt and that's what we're good as humans at doing at, at adapting it was yeah we are and it was look it was damn scary when they started to produce semiconductors in volume and into wider applications remember the silicon chip was just going to kill all the jobs and everything will be automated and robotized and yeah we go through these uh these these phases but they the one about ai i mean it is it's people forget it's still sort of early-ish days in terms of training all of these models uh to respond and predict in the way that uh the way that you want i mean i was an unnamed insurance company's robot this week and it, and it was not not an entertaining experience i can tell you so there's there's quite a way to go but yeah nvidia are in a fantastic position i mean they're the it, biggest it'll thing. happen very quickly though it'll happen very quickly. Yeah. i'll tell you one one little uh trading update i saw this week that caught my yeah. eye actually and, and funnily, it's been performing really well and they actually said it is now substantially ahead of current market expectations, Whoa. which is U Group. Now, the reason that caught me outside, U Group basically are, are a, an energy provider. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, we've seen, you know, Brent falling out of bed. We've seen the gas price falling out of bed. There's even talk about gas going to zero over the summer because there's a glut of gas and the UK doesn't have enough storage 
Um, I mean, you know, while we've still got inflation, you've really got to wonder when energy prices are just collapsing. But yeah, you group substantially ahead. Um, but I, I don't know how long they can keep that going for. Uh, well, listen, a final one for me, and it does link into transitional energy. This was a report in the, uh, <laughs> this was a report in the Telegraph, and this is linked to AI. Um, kind of being forgotten that all of this AI processing that's going on in data centers is, of course, driving up energy consumption very heavily. Um, and uh, the report here saying this was from Tech Consultancy Data City. This was they're saying this was even in 2019. IT and computing account for 3.7 percent of global carbon emissions. Uh, emissions, sorry, and the UK, the UK it accounts between 5 percent and 9 percent of all electricity use. This is data centers. So. You know, I think anyone who has energy efficient solutions for data centers and technology in that area uh, will see a future large market opportunity potentially. Well, we do know that uh, Infinity Energy Systems obviously has already put in um, batteries for a data center. Um, and I think that data centers is, shall we say, very much on their target list. Uh, for just the reasons you've said actually it's very true these data centers are incredibly um energy consumptive if that's the right word yeah yeah well that's a that's a certainly a space that we'll be watching i mean uh, just to quickly finish on that report um this analysis in 2020 by the uk energy research center estimated data processing already accounts for 12 percent of national energy generation right that said andrew there weren't many results out this week, so I didn't spend too much time on my computer searching and using data center electricity. There you go. Yeah, look, it, it was a short week, so I think that's this. There's quite a lot of little snippets to be had there. Uh, so we we'll call it a day there, uh, as we always say. Do let us know if you've got any thoughts, anything you want us to discuss, all that sort of stuff. Come on, get in touch with us. We love it. Um, but we'll be back next week. We will. We'll watch chatting then. <laughs>